0: What's up everybody welcome back to the casual Big Ten podcast today is Wednesday July 12th 2023 on today's show I'm joined by Doug LeMaurice. he is one of the most knowledgeable people when it comes to Ohio State everything but especially Ohio State football I had such a good time sitting down with Doug talking to him about what's going on this offseason what's uh, going to happen this fall with the Buckeyes football team. He was the last person that I've had, uh, or that I had, I should say, record. So pretty recent recording. I think I did this on, let's see, what's today? Today is actually Saturday when I'm recording this, but it's coming out on Wednesday. I I recorded with him on Friday last week. So pretty recent interview with Doug. Um, and like I said, had such a good time uh, dissecting the Ohio State football team and getting a little bit more in-depth than we usually do on this show and looking forward to this season, everything that's going to happen. Um, hope you guys enjoy this interview as much as I did making it. All right, joining us now is Doug Maurice. He is a contributor for Cleveland.com. He is the host of the College Football Survivor Show and more importantly, Buckeye Talk, the podcast. Doug, thank you so much for joining me today to talk about some Buckeye football.
1: Yeah, always happy to chat about the Buckeyes, and thanks for extending the invite.
0: Awesome, man. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got started covering, well, like you work for Cleveland.com, so it's a lot of Ohio stuff, but mainly the Ohio State stuff, how you got into that and where it's taken you so far?
1: Yeah, so I've been covering Ohio State since 2005. The first game I ever covered for Ohio State was uh, the second game of the 2005 season when Ohio State lost to Vince Young in Texas. And so I've been, I was the primary beat reporter back then for the Cleveland Plain Dealer. We became more of a digital company in 2013 at cleveland.com. We started our Buckeye Talk podcast in 2015. We started our college football survivor show, which is our national college football podcast before the 2021 season. So, you know, I was the the traveling beat writer covering Ohio State, you know, year round from 2005 to 2013 by myself. Then we added people to the beat. And now I'm kind of like I do mostly podcasts. I'm a columnist. I do things beyond Ohio State, but still heavy, heavy, heavy focus about the Buckeyes. And we talk Ohio State five days a week, year round on Buckeye Talk.
0: It's an awesome show. I was listening to a couple episodes this past week. You guys really dive in deep about the Buckeye stuff. Have you found it difficult? I know you've done it for a long time now, but during the off season, is it hard to come up with stuff to talk about? Or are you just like, I can talk about anything
1: with this team? So I think Ohio State is a fascinating lens in which to view college football. I think Maybe it's the most fascinating lens because it is a northern Big Ten program trying to compete at the highest level level with the SEC and the South. So you can talk about Ohio State within the context of Michigan, especially when Michigan's won two in a row in the rivalry. And you can talk about Ohio State in the context of Michigan State and Wisconsin and Penn State and everybody else in the Big Ten, but you also can talk about Ohio State in the context of Clemson and Georgia and Alabama. And so you can constantly compare Ohio State to everybody. And you have conversations about Ohio State when, you know, until these last two years when Michigan's beaten them, when you have a a Northern or Big Ten conversation about Ohio State, it's that Big Ten's the best, Ohio State's the best, and everybody else is chasing them. And can they hold them off? And then when you talk Ohio State on the national level, Ohio State's chasing. Ohio State's trying to beat Bama. They're trying to beat Georgia. They're trying to get over the top against Clemson which they lost in the semifinal in 19 and then beat them in 20. And that was such a big deal for Ohio state. So I think a lot of programs, it would be hard to do 52 weeks a year, five days a week. I mean, we do 250 shows a year about one team. Yeah. So, but with Ohio state, I think it is rare. And so, no, I don't think it's that hard. <laughs> we, we always have stuff to talk about.
0: Yeah. That's interesting to look at it like that. You're totally right about comparing them nationally and, uh, what they are within our conference as well. i like to ask everybody right at the top um, about the head coach. So Ryan Day, he is overall, and I'm going to tell you from my perspective what I see, and then I kind of want to hear it from yours as the expert, but 45-6 and overall in four full seasons. He had the national uh, runner-up, as you just mentioned, a Rose Bowl win. He had back-to-back Big Ten titles when he was first starting out. I think that he gets a little bit too much criticism just based on what's happened the last two years in the Michigan game. What do the fans of Ohio state think? And you personally think of the job that he's done so far and going into this season.
1: So we have a tech subscription service for our Ohio state coverage where we have multiple over a thousand people that subscribe to our text, And one thing we do is we, we are constantly sending them surveys. So I feel like we have a pretty good handle of what fans are thinking. And after the Michigan loss last year, to losing two in a row, there were about maybe 15 or 20 percent of the fans, even the educated, dedicated, loyal fans who wanted to fire Ryan Day. Wow. Like, two Michigan loss in a row, that's what but most did. So I think if you just listen to Twitter, if you just listen to the loudest critics, you'd be like, oh, my God, this guy's on the hot seat. And it's like, OK, oh, I mean, come on. You, you gave the record. He's made the playoff three out of four seasons. Michigan's really good. I spend a lot of time on Buckeye Talk saying things like Michigan's really good. <laughs> Michigan's really good. Let's, whatever the conversation is around Ohio State. Let's just remember that Michigan's also very good. Are they as good as Ohio State? Do they recruit as well? I don't. They're they're good. So I think most people like Ryan Day personally. I think they believe in the culture. I think you know it got a little messy with Urban Meyer at the end with the Zach Smith stuff. I think, you know, Ryan Day has talked a lot about mental health, and he's backed that up with things they've done with local hospitals. I think they like Ryan Day, but they don't like losing to Michigan. So there's a little bit of a push and pull there, but I think the vast majority of fans, and that was in the immediate aftermath, the most visceral reaction, it was like 15 or 20%. When you really step back, I think it's more like 5 or 8%. Who are like, ah, they gotta move on from this guy. Most people are in. They've made defensive changes, which is important. They played well against Georgia, which was really important. I did think that might have been the most important loss in Ohio State history to go play well and mm-hmm. show after a second consecutive Michigan loss that you can hang with the best team in the country, even though, of course, the fans were so disappointed, the program was so disappointed to lose. So I think I think they like Ryan Day. I think almost everybody likes Ryan Day. I think his like approval rating as a person is super high. And I think his approval rating as a head coach is very, very high still. But whenever you lose the rivalry game, there's something about that that Ohio State fans can't stomach.
0: Do you think that that percentage would go up higher, the people that don't approve of him, if there's a third straight loss, despite what the record yeah. is otherwise?
1: Yes, because... One loss to Michigan, Aiden Hutchinson, David Ajabo, you know, like you kind of got it, right? It was at Michigan. You just felt something in the air that day. Two losses is, is in the blip, right? You could have taken one loss as a blip. Two losses is in the blip, but it's not yet a trend. Three losses, is like, okay, okay. What, what are we talking about here? Yeah. So to me, like, it's not like if they lose to Michigan, he's going to get fired. But at some point, You know, well, what if you lose four in a row? Well, if you lose three in a row, now all of next year we're like, oh, what if they lose four in a row? At some point it does matter. I can't sit here and say, Oh, it has a good record of it. Like you have to beat your rival. So I do think the difference between two and three is 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 pretty vast. And I think the part of the issue is too, is they just made a bunch of bad mistakes in that Michigan game. And so I've said this a million times on Buckeye Talk. I thought the first Michigan loss for Ohio State was about football. Michigan just beat them that day. They couldn't block Aiden Hutchinson. They couldn't stop Hassan Haskins and Blake Foreman in the run game. Michigan was a better football team that day. Michigan should have won. Last year, Ohio State made a bunch of mistakes, like mistakes that you can't kind of excuse. And so at the very least, Ohio State has to go out, I think, and play its best game against Michigan. And if they go out again and it feels like they, they weren't ready, they weren't prepped, they made mistakes, that, that would get dicey. That would get dicey. Uh, yeah. it's some, the Michigan game matters so much. You can't show up and not be yourself, which is part of why I think the, the Georgia loss, not that people were okay with it, but they looked like themselves. And at least that's something.
0: Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I actually just saw the highlights of that last Michigan game on Twitter and I quote tweeted it and said, I forgot how close that game actually was. Even in the second half, it was a lot closer than what I remembered. I want to switch gears just a little bit, uh, talking more offseason stuff. The uh, wide receiver room from the portal's perspective was you lost Caleb Brown to Iowa, but then you gained Lorenzo Styles Jr. from Notre Dame. Is there anybody else in the portal that we should be keeping an eye on that's joining the roster that uh, is going to have a big impact this year on the team.
1: In the receiver room or overall? Overall,
0: I just have the yeah. picture of Lorenzo up on the screen right now because he was one that yeah. I had highlighted myself. But if there's anyone else that I'm not aware of, that's what I. That's why I wanted to have you on. You know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Lorenzo Styles, he's making a transition from receiver to cornerback. Actually, he's going. Oh, be is he really? Oh, I didn't know yeah. that. So they, they think they recruited him. I mean, he's from – his dad played at Ohio State. He's from Central Ohio. His younger brother, Sonny, is a second-year player at Ohio State, is going to be – like the five-star recruit was a freshman last year, is an early enrollee. So I think Lorenzo is going to make a transition this season and mostly be just trying to learn quarterback play. So I don't really think he'll factor in this year. They do have a portal guy that matters. The portal guy that matters is Joshua Simmons, who is an offensive tackle from San Diego State. Started there last year, it was all conference or all freshman team, I think, was recruited. Justin Fry, the Ohio State offensive line coach, came from UCLA. He recruited Joshua Simmons at UCLA. He knows him and they have tackle issues. Ohio State has tackle issues. They lost Paris Johnson to the first round of the NFL draft. They lost Dewan Jones to the fourth round. So they need two new tackles and they're recruiting at tackle. The past couple cycles hasn't been good enough. So Joshua Simmons. They tried like crazy in the portal to get guys, and they just couldn't get anybody. And they got him late. This is after spring football that they've added Simmons. He's going to compete to start. And if I had to pick a starter right now, I'd think he wins the right tackle job. So, like that is this is the number one glaring issue, potential issue for Ohio State is their offensive tackle play to the point. That they're bringing in a guy from San Diego State to help solve it, which is just not normally how Ohio State operates. So that's the portal guy that can have an impact.
0: I didn't. I haven't dug that deep into the offensive line. So who's the left tackle going to be this year? Then, do you know
1: yet? So it, sh- it should be Josh Fryer, who I think is a fourth-year player. He was like maybe their seventh-best offensive lineman last year. He was a recruit in the four or five hundred. So, normally, Ohio State just has like a top 150 recruit, like ready all the time. It's just kind of yeah. what they do here. So, he's just, it's not his fault. It's not, it's, this is a This is why, like the offense, this is Justin Fry's second year as the offensive line coach in 2023. It's why he's here, because the previous offensive line coach, the recruiting fell off and he lost his job, Greg Stoudrawa. Even though he did develop Paris Johnson and Dewan Jones and Luke Whippler at center, who also got picked in this draft. So, We've seen this hole coming for three years. We've been talking about the offensive tackle issues and what's going to happen in 2023 for years, and they never solved it. So the result is they have a guy who's never, who's never been a starter. And as a recruit, he, he probably, when you get a guy like that, it's a, it's a Midwest recruit. That recruiting ranking, you figure that guy will be in the two-deep at Ohio State, but I don't know that you ever expect that guy to start at Ohio State, and they are desperate for him to win the left tackle job. He'll probably be the guy. It might be okay, but their left tackle last year was Paris Johnson, who was the number six pick yeah, in the draft. Yeah. So and, – and there have been times at Ohio State. Ohio State won a national championship in 2014 with a fifth-year, first-year starter at right tackle. Okay. They've got a- – you have to patch it together but their left tackle that year was taylor Decker, who wound up being a first round pick the fact that they're kind of trying to figure it out at both offensive tackle spots is the issue if they had one surefire guy if they had one more five star in that offensive line room you know they were on jc latham a couple years ago went to alabama they went on zach rice who went to north carolina they tried to get guys in the portal who picked oregon or florida state One more sure thing guy, and they'd probably be okay. But they're just more uncertain there. I've been doing this for 18 seasons. They might be as uncertain at offensive tackle going into a season as I've seen.
0: Yeah. Those two guys are going to be trying – whoever ends up starting at those two positions, they're going to be trying to protect uh, from everything that I know is Kyle McCord. It sounds like it's his job to lose at this point. He's going to be the starter. Like I said, everything that I know about Ohio State, he's going to be the starter. To me, he's a relatively unknown. He's only thrown the ball 58 times. Is he ready to take over as a starter, and what can we expect from him this year?
1: So Devin Brown's the other guy in that mix. Kyle McCord's a third-year guy. Devin Brown's a second-year guy. They did have a a quarterback battle in the spring. Devin Brown hurt his finger about 10 days left in spring practice and did not play in the spring game. So I think that means the competition is still going to go a little bit into August camp. I think most of us who cover the team would be surprised if Kyle McCord is not the starter, but I don't think it's a hundred percent yet. So it's okay to assume Kyle McCord. Kyle McCord was handpicked by Ryan Day. JJ McCarthy was interested in Ohio State. Ohio State picked Kyle McCord instead. And we've seen what JJ McCarthy's a playoff quarterback. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, JJ McCarthy had the opportunity in year two. And he also beat out the incumbent starter in Cade McNamara. So tons of credit. To JJ McCarthy, but nobody was beating out CJ Stroud last year. So Kyle McCord's on the path. He's a third year guy. He hasn't been a starter, but the guy who was ahead of him as a starter the past two years was a number two pick in the NFL draft. So he's on track. He's a five star. He went to high school in Philadelphia to the same high school that Marvin Harrison Jr. went to. So he has a very good connection with his number one receiver. He has a good arm. And Ryan Day, you know, could have gone after any quarterback in the country in that class. And he went after Kyle McCord. So there's every expectation that Kyle McCord should live up to the quarterback standard that's been set under Ryan Day with Dwayne Haskins, Justin Fields, and C.J. Stroud. But we haven't seen it. He started one game two years ago when C.J. Stroud had a shoulder, a shoulder injury. He threw for 300 yards against Akron. He didn't look great, but he was like a true freshman. He was super young. Right. So yeah. you need to see it. You need to see it. But I don't know. Like what? What else would you want in a young quarterback? He's a third-year guy who's been in the program for two years, who was committed to Ohio State for like 18 months before he got here, who's been living in the playbook for four years that Ryan Day picked out of anybody else in the country, and he's a five-star who's been targeting this opportunity. But, yeah, I, I wonder. Yeah. I, I, I don't, you know, I mean, like, until you see it for sure, I don't know, you can't be a 1,000% sure, but he's in year three. CJ Stroud became the starter here in year two. Yeah. Bryce Young became the starter at Alabama in year two. So like a third-year five-star, as far as inexperienced quarterbacks go, that's pretty good.
0: Yeah, I think that's the most exciting thing about the offense is just to see him actually take the field and what he's going to do uh, when he takes the field. You talked about Marvin Harrison Jr. I didn't know they went to the same high school, so I learned something today. Um, I could talk about Marvin Harrison Jr. for an hour if you wanted me to. I'm not going to today, but last year tied for first in the Big Ten with touchdown receptions. I I forgot to pull it up. I was going to look up what his Heisman odds were. I think he's a Heisman candidate. I think he's one of the best skilled players to come out of the Big Ten. He's going to be the best this year, I think. Um, What's his ceiling, and are you as excited about watching him play this year as I am? you got to be, right?
1: Yeah, it's tough because a year ago, this is what a lot of people were thinking about, Jackson Smith and Jigba, and then his season got blown up by injury. So it's like, just let him stay healthy. Let's see what he can do. I was predicting potentially a 2,000-yard receiving season for Jackson Smith and Jigby a year ago. And we saw how that went. I think Marvin Harrison Jr. might've been a top five pick in this most recent NFL draft. If guys could go pro after two years, I think he has a chance to be the best receiver in Ohio state history. He wants to improve his yards after the catch. He's maybe not as explosive or hasn't been so far as a guy like Garrett Wilson. Once you get the ball in his hands, but in terms of catch radius, in terms of route running, in terms of hands, being a technician, his work ethic, being dedicated to the job. He's a maniac. He's, he's, he's a pro, right? Yeah. When your dad's a hall of famer, he's a pro and he doesn't rest on those laurels. He works harder than anybody on the roster and he's the best guy on the roster. So like, how's that work out? Well, you get an extreme talent there. So the sky is, is the limit. And then a Mecca their second best receiver also is probably one of the five best receivers in the country. So, I mean, this is, this is a passing attack. Part, part of the Kyle McCord conversation is Kyle McCord doesn't have to be spectacular for the offense to work because if you're a pretty, if you're a competent, accurate, smart quarterback, Marvin Harrison Jr. And the rest of these receivers should make you look pretty good. But I don't think anybody would disagree that he's the best receiver in the country. And it'll be fascinating as long as he stays healthy it should be really fun to see what he does this year.
0: I, I hope he does. He's such a – I love watching him play. He's such a skilled player, um, just an awesome player all around. But you also have behind Kyle McCord, um, this is where I kind of want some – I'm not going to argue with you on this, but this is my take on this. I've heard on Twitter from Michigan fans, from Ohio State fans, about my take, which is that Penn State has the best two running backs in the conference. Do you disagree with that? Do you think Ohio State's could actually be better and one of the best in the country?
1: You think Penn State has the best two running backs? Oh, no, no, no. It's Michigan. I love Donovan Edwards.
0: Okay. Donovan
1: Edwards. I think if Blake had gone pro, I'd be putting money on a Donovan Edwards-Heisman campaign. I think Donovan Edwards last year with his left hand carried that Michigan offense against Ohio State, ran for 100. I mean, like Donovan Donovan Edwards is a guy that Ohio State recruited really hard. I don't think anybody is better than Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards. And I don't, as good as Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams might be at Ohio State, I don't think you can have them in the same conversation with Corum and Edwards right now. What's your case for Penn State?
0: My case for Penn State and my only pushback would be is that I think Michigan's offensive line is better, so their backs are automatically going to be better. I think Nicholas Singleton was... And they're both younger. Singleton and Catron Allen are both younger than them. I think that they showed more their freshman year than Corum and Edwards did their freshman years, and I just think that they're better backs overall. I think Nick. I think Nicholas Singleton is the best back in the Big Ten. I don't. I don't if know like, if that's that crazy of a thing to say, is it?
1: If Mike Corum stays healthy last year, he probably wins the Heisman. Now, they did have a great offensive line. I mean, like, if we're going to go down a road of like, well, how much is the offensive line and how much is the back? I mean, Olu Fashanu might be the best left tackle in college football. So it's not like Penn State doesn't have an offensive Oh, I, I, offensive I understand that. Either. Yeah. Um, I just think Edwards is spectacular, potentially. And, you know, when 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 Michigan beat Ohio State in 2021, they made the play out the first year. Like, Hassan Haskins is like a workhorse back, and then Quorum's really good also. But I think Quorum and Edwards, Still, both have an upside. I don't. I don't know if I would argue against Singleton and Allen second. You know, Trevon Henderson at Ohio State, the five-star recruit who had injury issues all, all last year, and then Mayan Williams is a lower-rated recruit who Ohio State really relied on at times last year. He also had injury issues. The Ohio State offensive line won't be as good this year, so we'll get, I think, a better sense for how good those backs might be. But I just have a hard, I. I I would absolutely push back against any. Or I just think Corm and Edwards are as good as it gets at a one-two combo, and I'll be really curious to see what they do this year. Also, it's the offense that they run, and it's what Michigan wants to do. But yeah. they also, And I almost voted for um, Timmy on my Heisman ballot last year. So, yeah, the Michigan offensive line was awesome last year, but I do think Corman Edwards are really good.
0: Okay, fair enough. All right, let's switch gears just a little bit. That's all the offensive guys. I don't do as much digging on the defensive side as I probably should. For people who are listening and don't watch Ohio State every week, who's the guy on defense that they need to circle and keep an eye on this year?
1: So it's interesting because they bring so much back defensively and their defense was vastly improved from the year before. The the, the main conversation, or frankly, for Ohio State defensively is around the defensive coordinators, Jim Knowles, who they paid almost two million dollars a year to leave Oklahoma State. He was in year one last year, and the big discussion has been their defense was pretty good most of the year, and then it broke down against Michigan and Georgia, and so they need to be better in the games that matter. A lot of conversation around, hey, it's year one. They spent so much time teaching. Maybe they didn't let guys let it rip, so they wanted the defense to be more aggressive this year where they're not just learning the new system. But if the defense is going to be really good, it, it should be good. But it can't have the breakdowns it had. And it's, it's a multi-pronged attack. Tommy Eichenberg at linebacker was a second-team All-American last year. He's he's really good in this system. They have two five-star edge rushers who are third-year guys. JT Tumoloow and Jack Sawyer, they were, both, they were two of the best 10 players in the country in the class of 2021. And then Mike Hall at defensive tackle is another third-year guy who was a top 100 national player. You know, third-year guys are where you make your money. Those three guys on the defensive line, if they – peak they are what they can be it doesn't mean they're going to be Chase Young and the Bosa brothers but if they can be you know 80 percent of that that defensive line has a chance to be really good but the guy that we can't stop talking about is the guy I mentioned briefly before Sonny Styles, who was in a reclassification he should have been a senior in high school last year he said he was a freshman at Ohio State he didn't play much he played a little bit in the bowl game against Georgia they kind of had a package for him He wasn't running with the ones in the spring, but we just think he's going to win one of the starting safety jobs. We just can't imagine that not happening. And he's a playmaker. He has a chance to be elite. And so one of the things, Ohio State's had defensive problems. Their scheme wasn't good, but also their talent took a dip sort of in the transition from Urban Meyer to Ryan day. And they had some other defensive coaching moves that affected their recruiting feels like their recruiting talent has come back around a little bit, but they need some dudes. Right. Yeah. They just need they need game wreckers. And so JT Tui Morlow out at defensive end has a chance to be that. And a lot of us think if if they play Sonny Styles as a year two guy at safety, he has a chance to be that kind of player.
0: He's got that name too. Sunny Styles, like that's a name, a name that you can get behind yeah. and say, "I'm watching this guy." All right, before I yeah. let you go, I want to go through the schedule real quick. Um, see your prediction. I always tell people what I did first. I have you guys at ten and two. I don't
1: tell you guys. Just don't you guys. You know, just don't you guys I just cover the team, man. Just you can say Ohio State. Don't you guys? Okay, okay. Don't sorry, 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 sorry. Okay,
0: oh, yeah. Ohio State. I have at ten and two. Um, the two games that I thought, I think that it's ten easy, basically. And then I think the two games that are basically toss-ups are the Penn State game. I'm you already heard me talk about their backs, but I'm really high on Penn State. I think they can beat you guys, even though I'm sorry, they can beat Ohio State, even though it is at Ohio State. And then I uh, I have Michigan winning at home this year as well for the third straight year in a row. Um, I kind of want to go through it just real quickly in thirds, so I'll do the first four games at Indiana. Youngstown State, Western Kentucky, and then at Notre Dame, do you see any hiccups the first four games?
1: So the Notre Dame game is huge because Ohio State, I mean, if you just go back and look at all Big Ten quarterbacks the last decade, I think it's nine years out of ten, it's been the Ohio State quarterback. And in that Notre Dame game, you would expect that Notre Dame will have the better quarterback. Because Sam Hartman's in there as a transfer from Wake Forest and Kyle McCord or Devin Brown, whoever the starter is, is going to be in game four as a starter. And Sam Hartman... Has is second in the NCAA and career starts coming in this year. Only Bo Nick has more career starts. So that idea, and it's at Notre Dame, it's Marcus Freeman, the former Buckeye, who his first game as the, the head coach was in Ohio Stadium last year. Notre Dame played him tough last year. That's going to be a big test. And so, it, you know, it's going to be when you look at the Big Ten and you look at the schedule again, more often than not, you just give Ohio State the quarterback edge and there are games this year where right now maybe you wouldn't and then that changes the calculus notre dame's got some young receivers you know they lost tommy Rees, their offensive coordinator but you like what marcus freeman is doing there that is a gigantic game for notre dame and so that has to be am i picking ohio state to lose that game i mean i I haven't really picked anything but i don't think that's going to be easy and sam hartman this is why sam hartman transferred to notre dame for opportunities like this
0: yeah All right, so that's a big game that we need to circle that first four weeks. Then you go into the bye week. You come back home against Maryland, at Purdue, back home against Penn State, and then at Wisconsin. What do you think those next four games look like?
1: Yeah, so that's a tough double dip, Penn State-Wisconsin. And that Wisconsin game is going to be weird because the new head coach is Luke Fickle, the one-year head coach at Ohio State, the longtime assistant, the Ohio State. Like, Luke Fickle is intimately connected He's done this before. Ohio State did play Cincinnati when Luke Fickle was the head coach, and they played terrible. They came to Ohio Stadium and laid an egg. They got in their own heads. I think it was the worst game Luke Fickle coached in his time at Cincinnati, where otherwise he was awesome at Cincinnati. But Wisconsin brings in Phil Longo to install a version of the air raid. They have Tanner Mordecai from SMU. Mm -hmm. They're going to throw it better than they usually throw it. Plus, they still have Braylon Allen. And frankly, if we're having a running back conversation in the Big Ten, probably Braylon Allen and Jez Malucci belong in that conversation for for the best combos in the league. We know what they do defensively. We know what Wisconsin does on the offensive line. I'm very curious how this meshes together and whether Wisconsin can retain its identity with running the ball and defense and add a passing game to that. And then if you do that, watch out. Or if it's like round peg, square hole, maybe it doesn't work right away. But I have the Wisconsin game circled. And then Penn State, and again, it's fascinating. As good as the backfield is, it just feels like a Drew Aller conversation. Drew Aller, who's an Ohio kid, and can Drew Aller, in his first year as a starter, come into Ohio Stadium and beat the Buckeyes? And maybe he can. And I think it's possible, I think it's possible that three of the best six teams in the country, and I'm, not going, I'm not saying what their record's going to be, I'm not saying who's going to make the playoffs. But I'm just saying, like, the best teams are Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State. I think that's possible. So how does that shake itself out? So Michigan has a a more experienced quarterback there. Penn State and Ohio State are playing newer quarterbacks. But that's a huge game. I mean, if we want to talk about Penn State in 2024, like, let's go. I just don't know, is that all going to be ready now? Maybe, maybe. But this is, this is like a real Ohio State schedule. And so that back-to-back Penn State-Wisconsin could be really tough.
0: Yeah, that is going to be tough. You finish up at Rutgers, and then your um, Michigan State-Minnesota back-to-back at home, and then, of course, the game at the end. What do you think the last four games look like? A little bit easier than the middle of that schedule, I think, minus that last game.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just think that, you know, there's some interesting quarterbacks in the Big Ten. So many schools are playing transfer guys that – Peyton Thorne left Michigan state Rutgers is going to play a young guy in Gavin Wimsatt, you know, Minnesota has got a homegrown guy, but I don't, I don't know. I respect what PJ Fleck does there, but I think that's mostly a, a gearing up for Michigan. And so the thing that Ohio State's going to have to do, they just have to play their best game against Michigan. They have to get themselves mentally and emotionally and of course, physically, but I really think it's more of an intangibles game for them to be ready to take their best game to Ann Arbor. So they will have what should be three, you know, I don't want to discount what Mel Tucker and PJ Fleck do, but those are three games that they should be able to win without their A game while they get ready for what is uh, in many, many, many ways a must win at Michigan. So you
0: circled about, I I had you circling four games. Can I get a record prediction out of you then? I said 10 and You cannot.
1: Two. I'm not, I am not <laughs> It's July. I do five podcasts a week. I write columns. I, I'm paid by a company, and I'm I not going to come ask. on here and drop my best info. Okay, that's fair. Hey. I'm not doing it in July. Listen, I think they have four very real games. When you look back, for instance, to 2019, the first year of Ryan Day as a head coach, Justin Fields' first year as a starting quarterback, their schedule was so easy that year they got into the playoff as a two seed they were undefeated they didn't play anybody but when you're talking about this version of Notre Dame with Sam Hartman Mm -hmm. this version of Wisconsin with Luke Fickle and Tanner Mordecai and Phil Longo this version of Penn State where Drew Aller is the most talented quarterback prospect to play at Penn State ever (laughs) and Tony Saka I grew up in Pennsylvania, so if we want to play the Penn State quarterback game, I can play. No, but right, like this is what Penn State's waiting for. This is, we've talked about it a million times, the alternate universe where somehow Justin Fields keeps his original commitment to Penn State. What does that look like? James Franklin has lined everything else up. They always have receivers. They always have running backs. They always have linebackers. But they've never had a guy like this. And as, as much as Sean Clifford was a winner and Trace McSorley was a winner, those guys don't have upsides like Drew Aller has an upside. So when are we going to see it? If you see it now, if you see it by October, watch out. And then Michigan, I think Michigan, I think I'm going to be an AP voter. I was an AP voter for a long time, then I gave it up, and I think I'm getting it back this year. I think Michigan might be my preseason number one team. So yeah. that's your, that's, full, that's a third of your schedule for Ohio State. That's tough. And I think Penn State, Notre Dame, Wisconsin, and Michigan – might all be very, very good. So do I think Ohio State's going to be very, very good? Yes, I do. But I don't know exactly what that means from a record standpoint when you have four games like that on your schedule.
0: Right. It's going to be a great season. I'm so excited. I can't wait for the season to start and uh, see what the Buckeyes are going to do. His name is Doug LeMaurice, and he is on Buckeye Talk. Go check him out. You might get a schedule, uh, you might get a record prediction out of him if you go follow him and subscribe. You might actually get one. He's not going to do it here. I'm
1: like like August 31st. August 31st. All right. I'm going to start subscribing so that that I
0: can make sure I get that from you finally. (laughs) Doug, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was a blast, man. All
1: right. Thanks for having me. All right.
0: All right. Once again, that was Doug Le He is from Cleveland.com. He writes columns. You heard him. He writes columns. He does podcasts, um, College Football Survivor Show, and, of course, the Buckeye Talk podcast. Great show. If you're an Ohio State fan, I have to imagine you're already following him based on the number of followers that he already has. Uh, Doug does great work. So if you're not following him and you want more insight on Ohio State and all things Ohio, uh, give Doug LaMaurice a follow. On tomorrow's show, we have Alex from... What is it? I don't want to mess this up. Armchair Illinois. Got to make sure I get that right. He's got a lot of followers, too. Getting into some guys that got a bunch of followers this week. Um, All Things Illinois, what's going on this offseason? What's going to take place this fall? Check out tomorrow's show and be an expert on Illinois football. Thanks again to Doug. Like, subscribe, follow, do all the things that you're supposed to do. We'll see you all in the future.